0: Śrīla Gurudev ki jāi, Śrīman Mahāprabhu ki jāi, Śrī Harināma Sankirtan ki jāi, Grāntarāj shriman Bhāgavatam ki jāi, Gaur Bhaktavrind ki jāi, Gaur Pramānanda Harībhu. Mm. So, good afternoon to all of you. Welcome, pranam. Oh. I'm very happy to be all all present today with all of you here, and thank you so much to the flute song basses, the <laughs> residents of the Benogit place, Benogita, flute song, another word for flute song. So, very specious realm that we are getting all together today and to speak about some auspicious topic which is, goes hand by hand with the call of the flute, if you will. <laughs> We are for those who are joining us today for the first time. We will be yeah. do some brief recap of what we're speaking and I know some of you may be joining our lecture for first time or second, third, third. I mean we are students forever so no problem. We are all learning <laughs> everything. And, but as my Gurumash uses to say, sometimes some of these topics may be too high for some, too low for others at times. So bear with me and be patient. Uh, and if we can learn even the most smaller thing here <laughs> she wants to come in the online Up, oh, she, come. Come on, she will be the zoom star <laughs> <here>. <laughs> so whatever we can learn even one single topic one single point that will make our meeting worthy so at least be open to that and if we don't understand many things that's a good symptom as well because that keeps us humble and open to learn. So today is our third meeting of a series of lectures we have chosen to to share <clears throat> in connection to the Srimad Bhagavatam. And in particular section of the Bhagavatam in the ninth canto, fourth chapter, verses sixty-three to sixty-eight, where Bhagavan himself hmm, is expressing his uh, indebtedness towards his devotees and how much he loves them how much he even is controlled by them the power of love that even makes God himself be in control that's a very unique idea that generally we want here in other uh, transcendental traditions in God being controlled God being dependent <laughs> but in the context of something that makes him more Mod of what He already is, if you will, as we were speaking these days. So today we are in our third meeting, we will be studying verse 65, but let me make some brief, or maybe not so brief, recap of what we were studying yesterday, for those who were not there, and for those who were there but were not there, somehow or <laughs> other, <laughs> or for those who were there and were there, in every sense of the term, you can always relish this further. And so. Uh, Yesterday we were studying verse 64 Bhagavan is saying to Durvas, to the Brahma body, at least in the lila, who is cursing everyone and creating a very unique (laughs) unfolding of different circumstances that are required for the divine pastime to grow and expand. So Bhagavan is saying, all best of Brahmanas, Without my devotees, my saintly devotees, specifically Sadovila, Bina, for whom I am the only goal of life, I do not desire to enjoy my own transcendental bliss, hmm, nor my supreme opulences. So all that basically defines who who Bhagavan is. Bhagavan himself is saying, I do not care too much about that if I don't have my devotees, if I don't have someone to love, if you will, someone to express. Ekobahu sometimes the Vedas say, the one became many for the purpose of of loving interaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God is one and everything is God from the Abeda perspective, from the non dual perspective, everything is God because God and his energies somehow or other are inseparable. Mm-hmm. But there's also the bad side to the equation where there is diversity and we go this, tend to emphasize this idea of diversity, because diversity allows for loving interaction. I mean, if we are all one thing, there's nothing apart from that one thing there's no one else to relate to. So, at least for us, that makes for a not-so-exciting prospect, if you will. <laughs> at least in the context of love, that requires two, at least to begin with. Hopefully. It's something universal. It's not limited to to people, but we find this in the Diyad of Radha and Krishna. Hmm? So, <clears throat> so basically, in this verse that we saw yesterday, Bhagavan is saying, "I do not care for my own great qualities that make me so famous around the world. Hmm? Supreme opulence, supreme. Hmm? The six opulences sometimes mentioned regarding Bhagavan. We can recall them." Supreme, full, full,
1: full, strength. Strength.
0: Full, <laughs> full strength, full beauty, full strength, full beauty. Sorry. Wealth. Wealth. Full wealth. Full knowledge. Full knowledge. Renunciation. 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 And?
2: Fame.
0: Fame. 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 Okay. So, this makes Bhagavan, Bhagavan. I mean, if you don't have this, you are not Bhagavan. So, in this verse, Bhagavan is saying, "I don't care about these things. Basically, without my devotees, I don't care about being Bhagavan." without my bhaktas, basically. Imagine, I renounce the whole post of being Bhagavan for the sake of my devotees. And today, our Guru Maharaj was sharing that in one morning lecture. Bhagavan is as in his ultimate form as Krishna. He's even willing to break his vow for the sake of his devotees. He promised, I won't fight in the Bhagavad Gita. Bhishma said, let's try to upgrade his Bhagavanness. Let's make his bow break his bow." he ended fighting to protect Arjuna. And so he break his vow, but for the sake of his devotee. To keep a higher vow, if you will. Nama Bhaktiya Pranashati says <laughs> Krishna in the Gita. My devotee never perishes. I will always protect my devotee. That's the topmost vow, as we say, vatsalya Bhagavan is willing to retain his quality as lover of his devotees. And if he has to renounce all the other qualities, okay, no problem, but I won't renounce this one. So I may break all bo- all vows, but I will never break the vow if I am indebted to my devotee. <laughs> so also I recall how the other day in the... I was... it was what? I not know, it was not a lecture. It was a lecture I was hearing, not, not a live lecture, but my Guru Maharaj was describing famous verse about Srimati Radharani, Devi Krishna, Mai Prokta, Radhika, Paradevata, sarva Lakshmi Mayi, Sarva, Kantis, and Mohini, para from the Tantra, which includes many names, many names of She, Shri Rada. I'd say Sarva Lakshmi. Sarva Lakshmi means supreme goddess of fortune, if you will. She's the topmost Lakshmi. All, all opulence, basically. Lakshmi is the goddess of opulence. Sarva means all. So all opulence is with her. And the explanation of that verse, Krishna Kaviraj Goswami says, she fully represents the six opulence of Krishna. So that's another interesting point, because Shri Rada is Bhakti Devi personified. So if Bhagavan has opulences, he's, he's Bhagavan, is because bhakti makes, actually. So one, another way of understanding that is, again, Sri Bhakti Dev is the source of Bhagavan's opulences. Without my bhaktas, he said here, I don't care for my opulence, because actually without my bhaktas, there's no opulence. Without bhakti, I'm not Bhagavan. We have something else. And sometimes it is say, if you take bhakti from Bhagavan, and extract further and further bhakti till almost no bhakti remains, quote-unquote, you you will have Brahman. Indeterminate, absolute. But not qualified, absolute. Bhagavan is the absolute qualified by bhakti. Mm -hmm. So bhakti is like validating or qualifying Bhagavan in in a particular way. Mm -hmm. So the devotees are increasing increasing the pleasure of Krishna. Mm -hmm. Basically he's saying this here. We share some in order to illustrate that we share some excerpt from one article that was written some time ago regarding going beyond the Atmarama stage, Bhagavan known as being Atmaram or being self satisfied. And on top of that he's divinely dissatisfied. Dissatisfied. Because love makes you full, but love makes you always want to be more full. That's the nature of love. So, we share some words in the article. I don't want to repeat the whole article again. I will re- read the second part today, so that will be more than enough. But basically, we mentioned on one side, the Upanishads are saying God is complete. But beyond the Upanishads, we have the Bhagavatam. We will tell us another story that we are getting to know here, in Vrindavan especially. It's by Kunta even, but what to speak of Vrindavan. So, we, make, we share these analogies of the flute, of the mass and the energy of the Swarup Ananda and the sarup Shakti Ananda. Bhagavan feels some inner bliss to his own inner potency inside of himself but when that is implanted in the hearts of the devotees and takes the form of loving interaction that provides him a higher level of, of joy. So <coughs> today we will continue. <coughs> developing this idea Mm. of how Bhagavan is willing to forego his Ramata, his self-satisfaction, in order to pursue Mm. the divine dissatisfaction that loves, provides, that can always increase, and this has no end, forever. Mm. (coughs) So today, in today's verse, we will further, I mean, Bhagavan will further describe why this is so, why the devotees are so dear to him, and why he is so much indebted to him, and basically he will show how the devotees are sacrificing everything for him, basically. So let's hear the verse. Verse 65. It says like this. Bhagavan is saying to Durvas. Remember, we are in at the gates of Vaikuntha, almost, something like that. Durbas reached till there, Sudarshan waiting to receive instructions about what to do, returning to Ambarish's palace or, or, or going to Durbas's neck. <laughs> so, And Durbas is falling at the feet of Bhagavan Sri Vishnu praying for mercy, protect me from the chakra, and Vishnu is trying to explain himself why he is not doing so basically <laughs> while Ambarish is absorbing prayer in the palace mm-hmm. at this time so it's, he's saying mm-hmm. to Durbas, Bhagavan is saying since my devotees have taken refuge in me after renouncing all attachments to wife house, children relations, life, wealth and even their own ultimate welfare in this world and the next how can I give up such devotees at any time so Bhagavan is trying to, to explain himself here no? so he doesn't seem biased at the same time like Durba is saying why are you are expressing in such a way towards your devotees why so extremely and he will say because they are giving themselves to me so extremely <laughs> so I have to reciprocate accordingly so he says first line so he starts first to list all the things that the devotees have renounced and I want to qualify, of course, this point, but the renouncing is to the attachment to the things. No? Here I'm finding very beautiful Vaishnav families here, so I don't want to create conflict in that, <laughs> because that's not the point, basically. I mean, Bhakti is not about getting rid of affection, if you will, or people, or relationships, <laughs> but to properly qualify them in the, in the context of having Krishna in the center. Mm-hmm. So try to Go to the gist of the idea. We say ye, yeah. ye yeah, means those devotees of mine who I'm speaking about. Dada, agara, putra, apta. Mm-hmm. So, Dara means wife, and you can extend that to the other side husband. Agara means house. Mm-hmm. Putra means children, sons. Apta means relatives, society. Mm-hmm. I mean, your family and extended, if you will, family, of society. And if that's not enough, he says, Pranam, Vitam, imam Param. Hmm? Pranam means Prana, their life. I mean, they are giving everything to me. They're giving up means, they are giving up selfish attachment to that, but somehow or other, all that is being directed to me. So we spoke the other day, when we speak about give, we also speak about giving something, we also speak about giving up something. The, the word give may be applicable in those two directions. I give something to Krishna, I give myself to Krishna. In order to give myself to Krishna, I give up. I have to give up some something so I can give myself to Krishna. You follow the idea? It's no? so, like the anchor, anchor, you say, of the anchor. boat? Anchor, sorry. So you have to do something with that. If not the boat, you can do all the effort you want, but you have to do something on that side so something else happening on the other side <laughs> So in order to give something you have to give up something hmm? but that should be a, a joyful decision for sure <laughs> so pranam, vitam, imam, pranam. pranam means their pran their life they are being detached from their life again what does it mean they are committing suicide not at all I mean they are just surrendering their life to me Bitam hmm. means wealth sometimes it's harder to Give up even wealth and one's own life. <laughs> some people lose their life because of wealth. So <laughs> that means for them, wealth was most valuable than their life. I remember, like, I think last year, someone, I don't know, somewhere in some country won the lottery. And, and, and they have to ask for the millions of dollars with some, how do you call it, paper that has my number ticket. So he was almost poor. So from one day to the other, he was a millionaire. So he, had, he went from one extreme to the other and he was happy, having extreme happiness. So the next day he had to pick the money and he lost the ticket. So he committed suicide the next day. Wow. <laughs> so you can see the, the anistita, you know, like ups and down. And, and this is a point: the person about, detached from his life because he couldn't be detached from the wealth. You can see so some, sometimes it, oh, he, he was detached from his life. Oh, that's a higher thing, not for everyone. For <laughs> some people, wealth is their pran, if you will, not the pran in itself. So, pranam bitam, imam param. Hmm? Imam means all these things. Hmm? Param, even. Param means swarga in this case, or elevation to heavenly higher domains, planets, or even mukti. So here Bhagavan is covering the whole range. You know, like, let's say, Dharma, Art, Kama, Moksha, you know, family, society, world, life, wealth, heavenly planets. And, and then he says, Hitva, mam, serenam, yata. Hitva means giving up. Giving up all these uh, desires for their sake of those things in themselves. Giving up those ambitions, those that paraphernalia only for like converging in me, if you will. Hito mam Sharanam. Hmm? So Mam Sharanam, does it sound to some birds? Other birds would say similar words? Sorry? I don't know. Mamakam Sharanam Braja? Yeah, why not? <laughs> so Krishna there is saying, Mamekam Sharanam Braja. Hmm? So surrender unto me alone. So here the same. Mam sharanam. To me, and Sharanam means shelter, basically. Yata. Yata means taking shelter. Having taken shelter in me alone so having taken shelter in me they have been detached they have given up all the attachment to all the things and the last line basically Bhagavan is saying since they are living such a lifestyle if you will katam tam tiaktumu tzahe katam katam means in this case how how tam means they such people my devotees comes from taktwa means to, to abandon, to give them up. They have given up all for me. So he say katamstam taktum utsahe. means, comes from utsa which means enthusiasm. So Krishna here is saying, uh, Bhagavan Vishnu, how can I be enthusiastic in that way? In that way means to give them up. How can I feel enthusiasm about giving them up if they have given everything up for me? It's not possible. Basically, it's the last line. I cannot even think about giving them up at any moment because they do not give me up at any moment, but they give everything up for my sake. So I give everything up for their sake, even my position as God. <laughs> that's the topmost limit of divinity. Hmm? If that's if, if that's required, hmm? if 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 the devotees of God give everything for His sake to the point of wanting to relate to Him in a particular way. When he will be forgotten of his godhood. godhood, okay, he's willing to renounce his godhood, if he will, quote unquote, to reciprocate it with them, no? yeah. So that's an interesting point. Again, Bhagavan Vishnu is not saying this in Vaikuntha, but there are hints here, like a trailer of what's coming in the next 10th cant of the Bhagavatam, which we will find Krishna Lila in Brindam. So let's go to what Vishwanath Chakravarty Thakur has to say in his Sarartha Darshani, his purport to this verse. Like you know, there is some dialogue in between. So Durvasa is speaking with Bhagavan and trying to to understand why Bhagavan is not protecting him, Durvasa, and he's expressing so much love for his devotees, but Durvasa is feeling the the heat of the Sudarshan <laughs> right, right before, behind him. So Durvasa is asking to Bhagavan, You are affectionate to Brahmanas, no? Amo brahmanya devaya go brahmanya hitaya you are known as that. You are affectionate to brahmanas, therefore do not ignore me, I am a brahmana." So he, the, the previous ideas did not work for Durva. so I keep thinking, I am brahmana, there are some things said about Krishna in connection to the brahmana, so I am a brahmana, please, be, be loving to me. So, do not ignore me, I am a brahmana. So Bhagavan will say, that is true, you got a point there. <laughs> On some level, as we will see, <laughs> that's not all. But that is true. I cannot ignore you, you are a Brahmana. But how can I ignore the devotees? Hmm. So he's establishing the hierarchy between being a Brahmin and being a vaishnava There's not the same thing. Hmm. he he there's a nice compilation of one lecture he made called Brahmana and Vaishna. Maybe you know this famous lecture. and He was invited, there was a big debate about the Brahmins wanted to establish their superiority about Vaishnavas, so he went, sent by Bhakti Nottakur to represent the Vaishnavas, and he started to his discoursed by chanting the glories of the Brahmanas. So all the Brahmanas were like, wow, they, even, they, they themselves didn't know how much the Shastra was glorifying them, <laughs> so they were like, wow, we didn't know we were so cool, so interesting, oh, we didn't know all those shlokas that he's reciting, so they were like even more, they felt more upgraded. So Prabhupada said to say but this is the beginning. Now now comes the real thing. Now I will speak about what Shastra has to say about the Vaishnavas. So that was really on another level. So eventually the conclusion was to be a Vaishnav is higher than to be a Brahmin. So <clears throat> so yes, on one level Krishna loves the Brahmanas. On another level he loves the devotees. There are different types of love, we you know, different types of affection, reciprocation, protection. So here Durvas gets the point saying, please, I'm a Brahman, you have to protect me. Yes, but if I protect you, it means I am neglecting my devotee. And I especially protect my devotee. You follow? So if I have to choose between the two, Durvas, sorry, <laughs> you are a Brahman. <laughs> So I, he says how can he say okay that is true I'm I'm a protector of the brahmanas, but how can I ignore the devotees? I will have to give them up automatically if I protect you who offended the devotee. The flow follow. If I protect someone who offends the devotee, by protecting the offender, I'm neglecting the devotee. And Bhagavan says, no way I will do that. In another circumstance I may protect the Brahman, but in this case I have to choose between the two, I'll go for the Vaishnava. For my sake, and, and now he explains why I'm acting in such a way, for my sake, I mean, Bhagavan is not biased. He's saying, my, for my sake, the devotees have given up attachment to wife and children, objects of affection, difficult to give up. Again, he's saying attachment to them, not them necessarily. So that's a different thing. Sometimes for some of us may merge, but there are different things. <laughs> what have you, after presenting the position of the devotees, they have given all this for me, then he says to Durbas, what have you, a Brahman, given up? <laughs> Please tell me. You cannot say that Ambarish did not give up anything. Remember, Ambarish was world emperor, so he had everything. So he And he had given up everything. So we say the other day, it's easy to be detached if you have nothing. <laughs> if by force of destiny you are homeless person I'm totally detached yes by by force of karma you may like to be a millionaire and enjoy so many things but you you cannot (laughs) but if you have everything and still you get detached on top of that that's real detachment so Ambarish was this type of thing and and his detachment of course was a practical one Yukta no, he was using everything he was still a king he didn't go to the forest he didn't kick off his family wife he was there but everything was Merging into his service capacity, if you will. Everything. Everything and everyone. You cannot say that Ambarish did not give up anything. When you engaged the demon to kill him, he did not move a step, since he did not consider his body important. So he was not attached to his body. Ambarish was like, "Okay, you want to kill me? But you, who pray to Brahma and Shiva for protection run all over the universe to protect your body. (laughs) So you are an Atmaram with complete detachment. I don't know, but maybe, who knows, you say so. I know the true value of him and you. What else should I tell you, such a fool? (laughs) That's how Vishwanath depicts Bhagavan speaking to (laughs) Durvas. So again, we shouldn't repeat the same thing and speak to Durvas in that way, but Bhagavan can do that in this particular situation. <clears throat> so he's trying to establish this idea Baris, externally he seemed like an enjoyer a Visayi, world emperor you may say I mean he has everything but from the devotional perspective he was the top most detached person because he was engaged in all the limbs of Naval Action Bhakti everything engaged for the service of Bhagavan and on the other side Durvas he seemed like a Tiagi, a Vairagi someone totally detached but when something was threatening his body, he started to run all over the universe, protect my body, protect my body, protect my body. <laughs> and Ambarish, if his body was threatened, he just folded hands and said, okay, no problem, I surrender that my body to Bhagavan. TANU BAM MANO AHAM we said the other day, mind, words and body, not mine I surrender them to Bhagavan. Hmm? As we say the other day, my body is not my body, especially we as sadhakas, we should not think this is my body. This is my sadhakadeha, my body of aspirant. Even now, even that is not correct. Because the sadhakadeha of the body of the practitioner is a gift given by Sri Guru in the moment of initiation, so it's a, it's a gift that can never belong to us. That's interesting. To receive a gift that is not yours, generally in this world someone gives a gift, it's mine. <laughs> But in this case, we receive a gift that is, is not to be owned by us, but we are to be owned by the gift, and by the giver of the gift, <laughs> and so on. So, if this body is not mine, it's a gift given from above. How should I relate to that? No? So, that's an important thing. So, in this nice verse, Bhagavan is, again, listing all these different things that are really difficult to, to renounce. Again, the attachment to those things. Mm-hmm. Attachment to a partner, my gurmas will say, that's the most extraordinary desire in this world, basically. Extraordinary in the sense that practically nobody can live without that. So again, it's not a sin in itself. I mean, you can do that properly. But even you can do it... I mean, in the name of jukta Varagya, we can abuse the term. I mean, that's one of the most abused terms in the whole history of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Yukta Varagya. <laughs> You say, but Prabhu, this is, no, no, Jukta veragya jukta Everything for the service of Krishna, yukta Yeah, that's, that's the idea. And everything has the potential to be engaged in the service of Krishna. But how much we have the capacity to do so, that's another thing. Like we know when Bhakti Siddhanta was reading Rupa Goswami's 64 Limbs of Bhakti, he was reading, one should not have many disciples, one should not open many temples. To one one the body, say, but Gurmash, you are doing exactly that. <laughs> Someone say, you have thousands of disciples, so many mats. He say, no, no, many temples, many disciples, many. There were many. It's a, a question of personal capacity. What's many for you is not many for the other. I mean, you fall. I mean, you can have one disciple, and it's too much for you. It may be too much for you to be a disciple. <laughs> what to speak of having disciples? And <laughs> someone that may have thousands and hundreds and thousands of disciples, well, Thakur and he seems okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, what's many, what's not? So the point is we should be really sincere about how much we have the capacity to engage everything in the service of Krishna. And not abuse this idea of jukta varagya which means proper renunciation, which everything is linked with proper sambandha. Hmm? The verses is anasa, tashe, yatartam, upayun, yata, nirbandha, krishna, sambandha, yukta, so, Yukta, Varagya is when you relate to everything, being aware of the connection that everything has with, with the center, with the divine. As much as you are able to establish that connection, you won't be entangled by any type of activities. As much as you don't have that capacity, you may lose sight of what's the real purpose of that tree this sandal zoom, whatever <laughs> everything can be abused or everything can be really blessing your life no? so, so here but there are again some extraordinary <clears throat> classical situation that Bhagavan uh, Mahaprabhu himself in, in the Shikshasta can show something similar when he says na janam na sundarim he says I don't care for followers, wealth, partnership and knowledge and mukti, even mukti. Imagine. Mukti means no longer suffering, I mean, you are relieved from the three gunas. As I always say, we may say, no, I don't care about mukti, we are for bhakti and praying bhakti, but who knows if mukti comes one day to your, knocks your door with folded hands and say, I offer you total relief from the influence of maya. You want to have a test? This is an appetizer only. I, well, uh, <laughs> we don't know because we, we have not received that experience so we say no i don't care about mukti but if you have a taste of mukti i mean i mean if you are a devotee for sure those samskaras won't take you in the direction of any type of mukti what to speak of impersonal mukti but we shouldn't be so much my point is we shouldn't be so much like falsely sure like oh, i don't care about that and, if we don't have the experience of that. Again, it's like saying, I'm really detached and you're a homeless person. You don't have the experience of being a world emperor. <laughs> Who knows if you are there? So, here in this verse, basically what what Bhagavan is saying, all the things that Ambarish Maharaj abandoned, basically. The attachment to. Wealth. Hmm? Family. I mean, he had a family. He had wealth. He was a king. He had a palace. He had servants. He had all those things, but he was not attached. Hmm. So that's the most difficult thing to do. You have all those things, you are not attached.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
0: Basically, what, what the meaning of this is: his sense of being, his sense of self, was that of a of a servitor. I mean, he was the emperor of the world, the king of the palace, but his own self, his own abhiman or self consideration, was: I'm a servant here. And He retained that that sense of identity at every single moment, so that's not so easy. <laughs> that's not so easy. Mm-hmm. Generally we have the opposite, the ahamameti projection. Right? Like, this is mine, this belongs to me, this I control, and I am something in connection to that. I am something in connection to what belongs to me, to what I control. But if someone tells you, you don't control anything, and you don't own anything, so, what remains of my identity (laughs) and nobody can live without an identity you are thrown into neurosis if i take all your sense of identities like let me be something at least someone in this world (laughs) that's why our movement to spiritual identity has to be gradual because if you really emphasize too much you are not this temporary identity but you don't you are not yet fully situated in your real identity you may go crazy because you need some sort of sense of identity to be functional in life. No, it's, it's a gradual moving. Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat>
0: so, so, here again, when, when, when we hear Ambarish Maharaj or Bhagavan is saying detachment from all the things, we are implying attachment to all a series of things. Because that's the only way. What else? Did he learn that verse? Not yet. Param mm-hmm. Higher taste. That's the next one okay. for tomorrow. Chapter two of the Gita verse uh, mm-hmm. what? 69 I think. I, I will look So basically Krishna says there, if you taste if you relish a higher taste, then you can live the lower one. If not, so whenever we hear in the Bhagavatam speaking the devotees gave up this, gave up that means they embrace this, they embrace that. It's not possible to give up something if you are not Embracing something more. Mm-hmm. Once Sila Prabhupada was asked you No, know, he was, oh, Krishna consciousness is the science of detachment, someone asked, no, see, no, this is the science of attachment. So we are here to become attached. <laughs> so when we speak about being detached, it's indirect speech, if you will. I mean, it's, if you catch the idea, I mean, he's speaking indirectly about getting attached in order to be detached. But detachment is not the the goal in itself. It's just a byproduct. product mm-hmm. It's a by-product. Vasudeva, Bhagavati, Bhakti, Yoga, Prayota, Genad, Yati, Asi, Bairagyam, Genam Chayad, Hayat. Bairagyam. Bairagyam means detachment. But interestingly, in the Sanskrit etymology, Bairagyam means ra- bhairagya. Ragya comes from Raga. Raga means attachment. And Bhai means a special type of. <laughs> so Bairagya, we say detachment, but the etymology says it's a very special type of attachment which of course will create detachment. But that will be like the secondary thing. Okay, Some detachment will be, but a special type of attachment first. So Ambarish Maharaj was such a person here. Mm-hmm. So in, in his Paramatma Sandarbha Jeeva Goswami comments on this verse also, uh, on this series of verses, and he said that from this verse on, I mean 3, 4 and 5 mainly, this is the third one, Uh, These verses will deny that Bhagavan is ungrateful, he says, Mm -hmm. in in which sense the devotees are giving everything to them, to him, and he's not ungrateful, he fully reciprocates in kind, fully reciprocates in kind. In other words, he properly reciprocates with the love of his his devotees, of his bhaktas. Mm -hmm. So the verse, Yedara Gara Putrapta, also something important to mention here, although I already hammered on that, but uh, and this comes from the, the purport of Srila Prabhupada, he's saying this, let me share some words, he says, sometimes a pure devotee may have a habit or attraction for wife, children, and home, attraction in the sense of, of attachment, but at the same time who wants to serve the Supreme Lord to the best of his ability. For such a devotee, the Lord makes a special arrangement to free him from attachments to wife, home, children, friends and so on. Not to free him from wife attached house and friends, but to free him from attachment to them. Which doesn't mean you become less affectionate, which doesn't mean you become more indifferent. No never say that. But you are becoming free from Attachment to them. Attachment to them means seeing them in a particular as objects, let's say. <laughs> Sorry if I'm being going too straight to the point, but generally sometimes it's like that. It's an object. I'm empty. Oh you are there to fulfill my void. Please come here, serve me. Oh, I feel a little bit more better now. Thank you. And all that sometimes translates as I love you. But generally it doesn't have too much with <laughs> like love. <laughs> because each one is looking for being served by the other one, no. I'm empty. As we said the other day, you know, we are empty, we find someone to fill our void. But the problem is that the other person who accepts that also is empty and is hoping, oh, you will fill my void. So please sign here, you sign here. Well, we call it love. But after some time we realize both of us remain empty yes. <laughs> What's going on? So, And that's a whole different thing too. When we see, as we mentioned the other day also Radha and Krishna, or the gopis, Rasa, Lila, joining together, it's not that they have some existential crisis and they need to become whole with each other. Both of them are full and they get together to celebrate their fullness. So that's another whole different thing. Mm. So, yeah, Bhagavan will do that work with his devotees. Mm. So when we hear those statements from scripture that say Bhagavan will, if you are sincere, he will free you from all attachment. I mean, don't be scared. It's not that, oh, he will burn my house to ashes and... I mean, if you require that treatment, okay, no problem. And, and you are ready to accept that, of course. He won't send you a test that will be too much for you and you will become a, a Buddhist or or, or whatever, you know, with all respect to any tradition. My point is, he knows how much you can accept <laughs> his will at that moment. And he will send some tests accordingly. And if you feel, I cannot pass this test, it's not because Bhagawan sent something too high. It's because you are not giving yourself fully, basically. <laughs> you're having some extra coins in your pocket that you are not fully giving yourself to him. I always say that to the devotees. Sometimes they may be kind of, I don't know, discouraged or, oh, uh. And I ask, but are you giving yourself fully to to the practice, to whatever, I mean, you are expecting something from the practice, that's not coming, but my point is, are you giving yourself fully to that that you are expecting something in return from? Or or there is something else you are having in your pocket that you could be investing there and you are not doing that. And 108% of the replies are, (laughs) yes, I I have some extra coins there, basically. So those extra coins you have there are the ones that are making you not feel, are, are according to how much you have in your pocket, if you will, in the pocket, accordingly to that, you feel that void because you are not giving yourself that much. And it's okay if you don't want to do that, but do not complain to the... Bhagawan, Bhagavan department or something like that, no? something else is missing. They will say, the echo will come back to you, no? something else is missing. Okay. So as much as we are not willing to to leave material attachment, the, the more we won't be able to really approach Bhagavan. He says Bhagavan is he who can be approached by by those who are basically free from material attachment or the word is As much, the more you get free from that the more you can really walk in that direction and again this speaks about attachment to bhakti that will create detachment so so regarding family, of course, that is one main point here, a main point for all of us in our daily lives, at least most of us, or most of you, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I have family of, in, in another way. And, and that's the point that we are pointing here. The other day I was hearing one lecture from my Guru Maharaj. Actually, he was speaking on another topic, but he nicely connected to this. He was speaking about what Srila Rupa Goswami calls suhridurati. So this was, goes high in the scale of Rasa, Bhakti-rasamrita-sindhu, he's speaking about suhrit rati means the love of a friend, because generally in the Bhakti-rasamrita-sindhu, Rupa Goswami will describe Krishna is the object of love, he's the perfect lambana, the perfect of, object for Bhakti-rasa in all relationships. But one may ask, okay, but what about the relationship between the devotees? Because we here, okay, that devotee loves Krishna in Sakya Rasa, that devotee loves Krishna in Madhurya Rasa. But how each devotee love with each other? Mm-hmm. Because it's not that in Golok, we love Krishna, what about between yourself? Oh, we don't care about that, only for Krishna, that's not happening. No? I mean, there is a special type of... So that's called Suhridrati, which means the love of a friend and... And on top of that, Rupa Goswami elaborates on his doctrine of Babal Asrati, which is another way of speaking about Manjari Bab, but I won't go in that direction. But the point is that my Guru Mahesh took that and connected that with the idea of family members. Because basically he said, devotees have love for one another, even ourselves in the stage of sadhakas, we, are, we have love and affection for one another. We are supposed to get attached to one another. So again, the the whole discourse starts to take another form. We are again speaking about attachment and relationships. (laughs) It seems like, what's going on here? But in such a way that that will nourish our love for Krishna. That's the legal attachment. I mean, attachment is not a problem, basically. Again, it's a science of attachment what we are doing here. But for it to be a science, it has to be a proper center, if you will. And the center is Krishna so their attachment is not a problem so in that way let the husband be attached to his wife let the wife be attached to his husband in the context of their marriage being for the purpose purpose ideally of pursuing Krishna consciousness I mean if that's the purpose as much as you get attached to each other that will create a greater result <laughs> but again this is not an excuse in the name of Yukta Vairagya or whatever no all this is for the for the center as much as the center is is a center, and there is no false center, no problem. And he quoted, interestingly, something in that connection. Because his point was, husband and wife should be partners in the pursuit of, of transcendence, basically. They are husband and wife on one level, but on top of that, they are pursuing a common goal that is beyond themselves, basically, if you will. It's not a goal that is... Ourselves, but there's something that has to be above ourselves. If not, if the goal is just ourselves with each other, I mean, it won't last for long. <laughs> but if we are able to establish a goal that is beyond all of us, on our above our heads, that will protect us constantly. Mm-hmm. So we are sadakas. We are getting together. We need a partner emotionally in so many levels. Okay, no problem. The Christians in the center, and marriage will be. Uh, anukul they will be favorable. No, there's no problem. takos, mm-hmm. Whether you are in the forest or at home, that makes no difference. Kiba sudrakini. No, problem. You can chant hari. And he quoted something from Bhaktinotakru, which was interesting to as a point he wanted to make. No, Bhaktinotakru said in one in one, I think in Jaya he was mentioning. He said, one should not get married for having children. He said, There. <laughs> I'm seeing the faces of some of you now. Because, on the opposite, we generally hear, no? Like the Dharma Shastra says, If you are not having children while married, that's useless. Why did you get to all together? And so on. Even the Dharma Shastra means the main purpose of marriage is prajas, which means, how do you say in English? Progeny. 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 Dharma and rati also, right, to culture dharma and rati affection but bhakti-notagur gives a very bhakti idea beyond the dharma shastra which is we should get married not for having i mean he's not saying don't have children he's saying that's not the purpose of getting married you can have children no problem but the real purpose of getting together is what okay if you say so in which context because everyone serves each other. <laughs> yeah, Krishna in the center. That's what we were saying. So if you have children in that context, that's not a problem. But the point is, because sometimes we may get stuck in that idea, the purpose of marriage is to have children. Um, okay, there's not a problem with that, but go go beyond. <laughs> now connect your children with Krishna. Because if not, it's very cruel to our children. Basically. I remember once I was speaking with one... Friend, with the boat in Argentina, and, and, and we were speaking about like trying to connect everything with the ultimate purpose. So he was telling me, well, but I'm <clears throat> I'm working all all day. So I say, well, why are you are working all day? Well, to earn money. So he was, we we're going through the sequence of dharma art and karma, basically in moksha <laughs> so I'm working all day for for earning some money. And why why do you want money? So he said, well, I need to maintain my family. And, kind, and he kind of felt this is the, the ultimate converging point, but I said to him, "And why are you maintaining your family?" And he was like shocked with that question, because like he never like considered there is something more than that basically. <laughs> but he realized there is something more than that, which doesn't mean you are dismissing your family. Actually, that's the real concern for your family. You are connected that with, with the real family, the ultimate family. Better say "basudhayba kutumba kam." Basudai kutumbakam means there is no more than one family. If you start to think in terms of my family, you start to be sectarian. You start to be narrow-minded in terms of what's a family. So better say, Basudai kutumbakam. there's only one family. So whatever family, so-called family you have, is for the purpose to understand, actually there is no my family, but there is only one universal if you will so yeah the idea is marrying for the purpose of Krishna consciousness and of course being a monastic for the same purpose of course whatever I'm saying for the Grihastha ashram applies to any other (laughs) because there are ashrams I mean ashram means the very word ashram means shelter So whatever order you accept it should be a shelter and we are sheltered under the same Umbrellas. We spoke the other day in Nityananda Triodhis. His lotus feet are like the same umbrella for all of us. Maybe we are disciples of one guru, you are disciples of another guru, and they are representatives of Nityananda Prabhu. So each one of them are like one petal in the lotus feet of Nityananda. (laughs) But we are all sheltered under the same lotus like umbrella. It's not, yeah, I'm in this petal, you are in this petal. We We won't struggle because. My petal is different from yours. <laughs> lotus petals shouldn't be a cause for great problems. <laughs> Sometimes happens, struggling for lotus petals. <laughs> but we should, we should throw lotus petals to each other, but in the spirit of Puspanjali. <laughs> okay. So, of course, what Bhagavan is presenting here is a really interesting idea because, as we mentioned, on the very material level as we were speaking about material attachment and going to the trying to make full circle material level means I love I don't know let's give an example and I know this may be a hard pill to swallow but sorry this is my duty as a sannyasi to make you uncomfortable <laughs> I'm paid for that <laughs> I'm not even paid <laughs> the payment is that people get angry with me eventually for saying something <laughs> so when you say uh, I love my children, for example. I may ask you, why? And do you love every children of the world in the same way that you love your children? You may say, no. And why? Maybe the answer is because they are my children. So you love more the person or you love more the my? Because if I take the word my, it makes no difference. They are children. They are mine. And I say, but they are not yours. So, do you follow my point? Mm -hmm. Uh, Again. I don't want to take you out of the comfort zone, so much, a little bit is necessary, but... So the point is, uh, <clears throat> sometimes I love the person because it, I think it belongs to me, but I don't love the person in itself. I mean, with all respect, but you may have it, a, a, not necessarily children, anyone, but you may love the baby or whatever, but you don't still know the person in itself too much, maybe you just feel a strong emotional connection by way of attachment generally. So it's my extended self there. (laughs) But you get to know the person after some years, and sometimes when you get to know the person, maybe that initial love starts to take some other (laughs) form. You have to struggle. Oh my God, the personality of the person starts to come. I have to tolerate, to deal with... And ideally you should love the person more because you start to know the person in itself. So sometimes when you say... I love him, I love her. Sometimes we only love the designation my. But we should, I mean, real love is I'm interested in, in the person beyond he's my son, my wife, my nothing, my something. It's a person devoid of upadis. Upadis are like limiting adjuncts, not designations. So that's on the, I mean, I'm saying all this because here Bhagavan says, appears to be speaking in similar terms about his devotees, but in order to fully understand that, first we have to get rid of the misunderstanding of materiality. <laughs> <clears throat> so, for example, we should love our children because of who they are, not because they are our children. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, I'm, if I say, I love you because only you are my child, I'm just saying, I don't care about who you are. I just care that you belong to me. The person, It is not so romantic if you say that to someone. <laughs> I only love you because you belong to me. You are mine. That's, that's what I love in you. The other person says, you don't know, you don't have an idea who I am yet. <laughs> of course, on another level, one may love, I don't know, God, for example. Let's take that to God. We love God. Love. Because He provides what I need. As we spoke these days. I'm empty. I need it. God, provide, please. He provides. Thank you very much. Namaskar some puja, some rupees there, okay? And whenever I need something, I know the number where to call. <laughs> but he's the divine provider, if you will. So again, it's some sort, you say love, but uh, you are more interested in, in being provided. You don't care so much about the person yet. You just know he's wealthy. Let's say he has what I need. So when And he gives whenever you ask him, so thank you. <laughs> so it's still a little bit of... Let's call it love in a generous way. <laughs>
2: <clears throat>
0: On another level, one can say, okay, let's go from Paramatma, which has to do with this type of function, to Bhagavan. But Bhagavan Vishnu Narayan, some may love them because he's God, as we were yesterday in the Benkateshwar temple. They love him, they serve him very nicely. But the main sense is, he's Bhagavan. He is to be served. I mean, he's God. We ser- we love him, we serve him because. He is God. He deserves that, if you will. Hmm? But still, they are not. I mean, it's a way of speaking about that. I'm not dismissing that. No? But they are not still loving God for who He is, as because. But they are loving Him because of the position He's having, the rank, rank, rank. He's God. He's the boss. <laughs> hmm? <clears throat> Maybe they are not thinking about asking things from Him. They are thinking about serving Him but because he's God, because he's the boss at the universal office, if you will. <laughs> but not yet as a, as, as a person, as a supreme personality of God, for this call. as a family member in the intimacy of, of one's home. That happens in Brach. Again, this verse is not yet speaking about that, but it's point, pointing <clears throat> pointing to Brach. So in Brach is when we have this full circle... When everything starts to seem again like ordinary, material life. Because in Braj, nobody's loving Krishna for Krishna being God. But they love Krishna because of how they feel towards him. Oh, he's my friend. I love him. There's again a sense of mindness. Mamata. He's my friend. Just as I say, he's my son. Even if, technically speaking, some may say, Krishna is not, may not be technically just so the son, although for us, God yes, he is his, but... Some may say, he's the bhakti-son, but Jesus say I don't care, he's my son. I feel he's my son, so I, I go with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So again, they, they love Krishna about because of what they feel towards him. So again, it seems we are going back to the how it was happening in this world. <laughs> but but it's full circle, a prakrita. It seems ordinary, but it's super transcendental, extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So, I'm extending a little bit, so go with me, no problem? Fire is okay? No, yes. Not for Goranga Priya, she has to be closer. <laughs> no problem. I have a chatter if someone needs, I don't know, just in case. Oops. So, <clears throat> so also these days we were speaking about, hmm, again, towards such devotees that give themselves fully to him, as this verse is expressing, giving up everything for him, all attachment, and all the attachment actually is really condensed towards him. And that's what we find ultimate in Braj. Here, Bhagavan Vishnu is speaking, and there is some degree of attachment in Vajkunta, but what we find in Braj is like overwhelming to Bhagavan himself. Again, his Bhagavanness ness is overwhelming. He forgets, basically, that he's God. <laughs> So such a degree of attachment that takes him but to reciprocate or let's say trying to reciprocate but sometimes even failing to do so (laughs) because he feels whatever I'm trying to give is coming back to me, what's going on here and so on. So yesterday we shared some words from one article called Beyond Atmaram that I had the opportunity to write some years ago so with your permission I will close today's lecture with the second part of that article because there was the second part hmm? So, at beyond Atmaram part two basically <laughs> and let's explain how Bhagavan and in this case especially Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna in Braj he cannot but live to reciprocate the love of his devotees in the context of divine love or as we mentioned divine dissatisfaction hmm? so um, Okay. Uh, so it says like this so I will read as I did yesterday it's okay, it was not too boring just no, reading no, and reading no. and reading I tried to explain something in between <clears throat> in Gaudiya Vedanta we worship an open secret so from Vaikuntha we are jumping into Gaudiya Vedanta because again for us the ultimate implication of these verses is what's coming in the next canto 10th canto of the bhagavad we the vedanta we worship an open secret we worship a god who is weak and perfectly flawed who is constantly defeated by the strength of the affection around him at the hands of his most intimate servants bhagavan is won over every single day in every possible way tied by Yashodamai, defeated in wrestling by Sridan and scolded by Radha and her sakis. We worship a weak God because we worship love above God, as He Himself does. This is a very special type of love, and thus a very special type of God. So you can tell how special is God according to how special is the love that is defining him, as we say yesterday. There are different phases of the Absolute, and each one of those phases are defined by a particular type of bhakti contacting him. The essence of God in, is then not his status as God, but his capacity and disposition to transcend himself in divine love and eventually become Sri Krishna. As we say, Krishna is God beyond God. He retains his Godhood, but becomes something more, in eternal time, not as a single point. Prem implies not only an eternal being, but an eternal becoming as well. Sri Braja Krishna clearly exhibits such dynamism. The God designation is discarded, while Swarupa Shaktiananda is there to facilitate this level of transcendence in his own life. When the all-attractive becomes supremely attracted by his own form, it being somehow reflected here and there, famous example, Krishna seeing himself in a pillar or whatever, at a point beyond time, that rupa madhuri or sweetness of his form is a direct consequence of a particular type of prem, striking Bhagavan in a specific way. Thus, his carving a very specific form of himself, which is the result of the love he has received. Sorry if I become too poetic in some moments, but we cannot but do so while speaking about these topics. (laughs) For example, as we mentioned yesterday, Sri Krishna pretends to show his chaturbhuj form in front of Radha only to find two of those four arms shrinking into nothingness in the face of her divine love. My Gurmash will say, our God Krishna, he's no he has no weapons, he has no extra arms, he has only one head. <laughs> because he looks very limited, but because of the power of the prem that makes him act in such a particular way. In Lila, he's absorbed in Lila. Lila is a very crucial word for us. And lots to unpack there. But Lila means basically play. So and play, somehow or other, we could say, say when you play, if, if I say to you, okay, now let's play whatever. That we are like animals, and, and you are a serpent, and you are a whatever, and this, and giraffe. So it's a pretense. Pretense, you say? Like you're pretending something? So Krishna pretends so well, hmm, in Lila, <laughs> in his play, that he forgets that he's playing, basically, as we mentioned. That He forgets his own godhood. My Guru Maharaj will say, he plays really hard. To the point that he gets so absorbed in the play that it's no longer a play, it becomes reality. For us, it's reality, it's not that we enter Golok and, oh, we know this he's playing, this is a lie, this is not real. No, no, everyone is playing really harder. I mean, that to the point that it's reality and something else becomes the play, if you will. (laughs) So Krishna forgets his own Godhood and believes his own play, basically. So Lila means that, that place where Self-sacrifice, hmm, we say, reach the peaks of self-forgetfulness. In, in Vrindavan, there is self-forgetfulness. Krishna is self-forgetful of who he is as God, basically. And the devotees are self-forgetfulness, self-forgetful forgetfulness self of themselves in, in divine love. Hmm? So that's a good point to, to make. Both for God and the devotees in Braj, there is self-forgetfulness, which is higher than self-sacrifice. No? Self-sacrifice, I am are still aware... I'm doing this for him. Self-forgetfulness is just like the flute song is there. I'm not thinking I have to sacrifice this in order to go there. I'm just going there. Full identify with the, with the call, the clarion call. <laughs> so now we will go to the Atmaram. We'll share a particular interpretation of the Atmaram verse in this connection. Even though Sri Hari. <clears throat> is generally known as Atmaram, for and by himself, by his very nature and that of his third shakti, he becomes what Thakur Bhaktivinoda will call Pararam. So Atmaram means? And Pararam means? Divinely dissatisfied. So something above Atmaram, basically. (laughs) Pararam means supremely dissatisfied in the context of self-satisfaction. So, Pararam includes Admaram, but it's an upgrading of that. This brings Bhagavan to the point of a new inconceivable equation. The bigger the dissatisfaction, the greater the Ananda, which may seem contradictory. I mean, in this world, is the bigger the dissatisfaction, the less the Ananda. But in Swarup Shakti context, it happens the opposite because it's another type of dissatisfaction. In this consideration, even the Atmaram stage, also present in self-satisfied sages, is something to be transcended in pursuit of a higher taste. So interestingly, here we have Bhagavan and Durvas. So the two of them are considered Atmaram in their own situation. Bhagavan, Vishnu, Narayan, in Vaikuntha, is Atmaram, self-satisfied. And Durvas is also considered as an Atmaram sage. But in the context of this conversation, the two of them are transcending the atmaram stage in their own situation. Durvas, by well, receiving a higher glimpse of bhakti, and the same we could say for Bhagavan. <laughs> higher and higher glimpses of bhakti. So even the atmaram stage in this consideration is something to be transcended in pursuit of a higher taste, as the Bhagavad mentions in his famous atmaram verse this is another well-known verse from the Bhagavatam. I will say this is the verse that Baha Prabhu explained the most. So we can recite the verse. It says, Atmaramas hai First Cantor seventh chapter tenth verse. So basically here it says of all varieties of Atmarams or self-satisfied sages. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it says Admoramas to Munayo. Admoram is self-satisfied, and Munis Munayo, sages, They are They are free from all knots, from all entanglement. Hmm? But they feel attraction. It says Itabuta <laughs> no due to the all attractive qualities of Hari. Even though they have no attraction for anything, they are attracted to Him. That's the, the, basically the idea. And that's why? Because Hari possesses incredible qualities that makes even the self-satisfied sages attracted to him. So this is a import, very important verse of the Bhagavatam that established uh, the glory of Bhakti. The main example of an Ram in this context was Sukadev Goswami, that who was so detached that he did not even care wearing loincloth, basically. He was not even attached to a coping. So you can see that's detachment also. <laughs> No, I mean, he was not even aware if there was coping or not I mean, he was not aware of his body he was just Atmaram but this Atmaram Sukadev when he, Vyasadev sent the woodcutters to the forest to recite some Bhagavad verses Sukadev became like hypnotized like behind that sound so the point is Bhakti had a higher power of influence toward, on him who was an Atmaram who was finding pleasure in himself he tasted a higher taste, if you will. So, this most important sloka was explained by Mahaprabhu in 18 different ways to Sarvabhoma So That's the first session where Mahaprabhu explained the Atmaram verse in 18 different ways, which is already something. <laughs> and in 61 different ways to Sanatan Goswami, if that's not enough. After that, Sanatan Goswami said, I heard you explain the Atmaram Sloka to Sarbaboma. Can you explain it again? Okay, why not? Let's go to 61 more. But I won't touch the 18 previous explanations. Let's go to some new ones. So he gave 61, just in case. <laughs> Indeed, there is no other verse that Sri Gauranga had glossed so much during his lila, and there is good reason for that. It powerfully teaches how an Atmaram, Sukadev Goswami being the prime example in the Bhagavad, will leave behind not only every material attachment, but even his self-satisfied state, his Atmaramata, attracted by Hari's unmatched attributes in the context of bhakti. So that's what this verse is speaking about, how the devotees are living all for the sake of Bhagavan, even Mukti, Sukadeva's example. In other words, the Bhagavats Atmaram Mahabhakya, or great dictum, Represents its main praman or evidence regarding the superiority of devotion over gyan, prem above mukti. That said, being that atmaram, is being that atmaram is also another name for Krishna. This verse will ultimately apply to him as well, and it should. So now comes some attempt to explain this Atmarama verse in regard in relation to Krishna, not necessarily to atmaram sages. Which has some theological implications and consequences, as we'll see. Being properly turned, the Bhagavad perpetually reveals secret meanings in its eternal pages, just as grind, grinding, grind, grinding, grinding, The green leaves of henna, henna, you say, mm-hmm. gradually manifest its reddish content, content within. Yeah. Well, so, in order to find the redness, you have to do some grinding. In order to find some. Extra revelation of the Bhagavatam, you have to churn it. Also. Therefore, our inspiration for any noble insight must be properly grounded in the scripture and blessed by our Purvacharyas. In this regard, we receive a, new, a unique hint in the first verse of Rasa Panchadhyaya, Rasa Lila section, which says that although Sri Krishna is Bhagavan, he made up his mind to enjoy with the gopis. In other words, he's self-satisfied, but he wanted to enjoy which seems, again, contradictory. If you are self-satisfied, why you want to enjoy? Which type of enjoyment that is? So, commenting on this shloka Srila Jiva Goswami mentions, Bhagavan here refers to Krishna being Atmaram and Aptakam, Hmm? full satisfied, all desires satisfied, although he desired to enjoy anyway on the ground of such self-satisfaction. Just as Atmarams, although fully satisfied, perform Bhakti to Krishna, in the same way Krishna himself, although being Bhagavan and thus fully satisfied, yet desire to enjoy with the gopis. So, in the same way that Atmaram sages become something more by contacting, contacting, contacting Bhakti and Bhagavan, Atmaram Sri Krishna also becomes something more by being in touch with those attributes he possesses that are actually the result of interacting with his own sort of Shakti. This interaction creates such astounding features within it that God himself feels incomplete before such a scenario. In other words, when Rasaraj Sri Krishna witnesses the ultimate zenith of (laughs) Mahabhav Sri Radha, he is thrown into a totally new situation when he realizes that there is something in him that makes Radha the way she is, thus developing a particular void in himself and a consequent desire to taste such an experience. Hence, there will be only one possible solution to such a dilemma, the form of Sri Chaitanya. Today we enter the converging point of this explanation. Mahaprabhu is that same person who presented the Atmaram verse in so many different ways, except for one missing, quote-unquote missing, explanation. He never considered exposing himself in the lines of such sloka. In his natural humility, and due to the depth of his descent, Sri Gaur Krishna tried to avoid this. But the actual duty of every devotee is to lovingly expose his own istadev. Worshipable deity, for the pleasure of his servants, so here we go, attempting to point to the golden Lord the natural evolution of Krishna's divine dissatisfaction, as well as the subsequent Lila that manifests in order to solve such a riddle, all of which has been loudly proclaimed in the pages of the Bhagavad, especially in the Admaram verse. You bear with me for a minute? Okay. So, as previously mentioned, the word Atmaram can refer in this verse to, to whom?
2: Krishna.
0: Yes. Yeah. Who takes pleasure in himself. Also, Atmaramas Chamunayo. The word Munayo means thinker, Muni, applies naturally to him, as well as the word Nirgranta, or that person who is beyond all bondage and, or standard statements of scripture. is beyond that. So we are trying to explain that verse in context of Krishna. That said, he lives such a privileged state by becoming attracted to his own wonderful qualities Itam and by pursuing his desire to experience Bhagavab. Thus he engages in unalloyed bhakti to himself hai bhaktim, Such as when Radha Thakurani worshipped her, his beloved Urukrama, which is the name of Krishna in the Atmarama verse. The great adventurer means Gurukhana. But how can Sri Krishna engage in bhakti to Sri Krishna? By considering the Abed perspective of our Bed Abed equation, Krishna's Swarup Shakti is actually one with him. And in that sense, this particular rendering can be possible when Sri Krishna adopts the mood and luster of his Parashakti, appearing as Sri, as Sri Gaur Krishna. This is what we know as Gaur Lila, or that moment in eternity where Sri Krishna doubts his own status due to the powerful experience of Sri Radha and thus, transcendentally dissatisfied, he proceeds to go after her Bab, having had a glimpse of the supreme form of Swarup Shatkananda he could never possibly conceive of. Gaur Krishna thus represents the culmination of divine dissatisfaction simultaneously embodying the most fragile and yet volcanic face of the absolute. While Sri Braj Krishna may be considered the supreme personality of Godhead, Sri Man Mahaprabhu will indeed be regarded as the Supreme Personality of Krishna.
2: Hmm.
0: So we can extend that idea. Krishna is Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mahaprabhu is Supreme Personality of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. <laughs> Therefore, this Gaur-lila teaches us a most valuable lesson. Our most empowered prospect lies in the land of vulnerability. Starting with Krishna himself, in the form of Mahaprabhu. And that's our open secret. That's the God we worship. We say that in the beginning of this article. So one last paragraph to close. says, Speaking about his own vulnerability and what brought him here to solve his dilemma, Maybe this is the reason why Mahaprabhu cho- chose to explain the Atmarama verse so many times, thus extolling the virtues of divine dissatisfaction and its ultimate reach in the form of his own dispensation. So even though we should hide our Istedev in the inner- innermost chamber of our heart, at the same time we should qualify ourselves for properly exposing him in a pleasing way. Rai Ramananda did just that at the end of his sambhad with gore his conversation with Mahaprabhu, to the point that Gore himself had to shut his mouth since he was saying too much. Also, Mahaprabhu had said to Sanatan that only by his association was he inspired to speak so many meanings of the Atmaran verse. And he concluded that if one becomes a madman like me, he may also understand the meaning of the Bhagavad, as I did. In this way, May Sri Guru and Gauranga bless us all so that one day we may acquire the required madness for truly understanding the Bhagavad, sincerely hoping that Sri Satinandan may someday shut our mouth and throw us and uh, throw us into his nitya lila, our land of no return. Mahaprabhu ki So sorry for such a long reading but we wanted to share some ideas in connection to this verse. I hope that helped. And if we have some extra minutes, I will ask if there are any questions before finishing today for you present here or whoever is connected here in online as well. We have some devotees. So, I don't know, any questions? Bopalindin.
1: So I've heard Guru Maharaj say before, sometimes, like, don't worry about the negative things, you just to add the positive Mm -hmm. And then those negative things will fall away. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of the same with the attachment and the detachment? Because it seems like sometimes we might be frustrated that we're still attached to things or, you know, unable to be as detached as we would like. And is it really, like, forget about being detached and just, like, point our attachment in the right direction? Mm -hmm. And then... Those the detachment will come and the wrong attachment will leave mm-hmm. by instead focusing <clears throat> on that right attachment
0: yeah I would say that that will be the main emphasis but of course also it, it, for moments at least it may help to I mean we are speaking about the same theme from two different sides when we say attachment, detachment or mm-hmm. accept the favorable reject the unfavorable and we find so many descriptions in scripture about what to do but also what not to do and sometimes it may help, but may work better for us, depending on our case or our stage, that first we are being told what not to do sometimes. <laughs> uh, sometimes to your children you say what not to do, and maybe then they learn what to do or whatever. <laughs> but you know, Krishna starts the Gita in the second chapter saying to Krishna what the soul is not. This is not burned, it's not... Burn, it's not Healed. It's not this. It's not. And the end, say said, "I'm sorry about, sorry about, sorry about." He said, "It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Something positive to be said." But yes, I agree that mainly, our focus should be how to increase the positive uh, culture of, of, of my devotional culture, and detachment and will follow. But sometimes again, that attachment to bhakti will be because. We are accustomed to be attached in the material world. I mean, it's, So if I very easily and quickly start to, to speak to you about getting attached, we may not have an, a proper idea of this type of attachment. Because it's easy to say, yeah, now trans- move all your attachment to this, this, this to Krishna. And, okay, but what does it imply? How to do that? So in order to qualify that description, I will tell you, it implies detachment of this, so then you understand, oh. Oh, that should be attachment to Krishna. Because if not, I can cheat myself thinking, I am attached to Krishna, I moved all the attachment in that direction. But you may realize, oh, but I realize I'm attached to all the things at the same time. Yes, so (coughs) he's attached to you or she. (laughs) (coughs) But I agree that our path is mostly a positive path. Mm -hmm. But again, we have, I don't know. Offences to avoid in our chanting. Offences to avoid in worshipping the deity. Offences to avoid visiting the dam. And, and indirectly they are telling us what to do. Again, so if we have the capacity of connecting one thing with the other, we should have, we should develop it. That, that, that will help. So sometimes it may help to know how not to do certain things. <laughs> and the complementary part, again, we need both approaches. No? Like also we need to say it. How is this? Um, Always remember Krishna, never forget Krishna. How does the verse start? Okay, getting old, what to do? (laughs) Okay, Okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but you know the verse. He's saying, always remember Vishnu, never forget him. So you say, but I mean, it's enough to say one of the two. It's okay so always remember him never forget him and you may say it's enough always forget him it's all, everything is included there you may misapprehend the idea so let's qualify it further never forget him that means always remember him and you may hear that say oh yes now it helps more it makes more sense so sometimes we need the, the two sides of the coin if you will so there's no problem but we should be careful of course not to overemphasize the the negative, quote unquote negative, the non the don'ts because we may end up with and we may we, we are coming most of us to bhakti with some maybe some scarf or or karma or gyan. My, I mean like material attachment or material detachment. And if we get too much into any of those extremes, we we, we may not be qualified for engaging in bhakti. That's what the Bhagavatam says. If we want to take perfection if bhakti you should. You cannot be too attached to much, mat- and you cannot be too detached. Because if you are too attached, you will be qualified for karma. If you are too detached, you will qualify for jnana. If you are not too attached, not too detached, you are qualified for bhakti. So, middle path, as you mentioned. Earlier. <laughs> okay. Something else.
1: Um, so, Mara, your point about um, you know loving everyone, or we love others just because they're mine, my child or my mother, but, you know, it seems like it's meant to be that way, because, um, like the mother, when she becomes pregnant and birth, she has all these hormones to make that attachment very strong, so that, that child will be very much nurtured. And of course, we do know philosophically that we should love everyone, and that's why, like, sannyasi broadens their love base, you know. But um, we know philosophically, and um, at the same time, we, we realize our capacity. Our capacity is small. Like, we may expand. Just like here, it's a very tight community, and all these children grew up together. You know, so they're very um, much close and related and each of the mothers. Um, they love their friends' children very much as well. But, you know, to expand it more and more. And um, and then as far as um, we realize later, like, I, um, I guess I, I love some of my sons more than my biological son. You know, other devotees' sons. Mm-hmm. I even feel more affection
2: mm-hmm. and
1: love for them as, as they grow up and so um, so just like that if you could um, maybe expand on that how, mm-hmm. to, how to broaden our love base <laughs> <to say. laughs>
0: yeah Yeah, of course when we say love there are so many ways to speak about that it's such a as, as my Guru Mahesh will say that's the most maybe used term on earth and the less understood mm-hmm. along with words like I we use that word so much but we understand that so little (laughs) I love so one of course we may speak about love in a more universal sense we love each other in the same way but also at the same time I don't know if we go to the for a minute to the lila to Vrindavan I mean not there are different types of love if you will it's not the same love there are different degrees of love Mm. but in a particular context not, not in the context that I love you more and I love you less because of material attachment, but because of another type of nuanced thing. So, of course, what, what you say was totally uh, in place, and, and and there is no, and, and I think the main point you made was like, we are small. <laughs> it's okay because if if we, of course, try to force our way into. Universal love in a, in a way that is really superficial for our smallness we may end up dysfunctional you know, trying to be universal and in that universality you end up being neglectful as a parent or, or whatever I don't know so many things can happen and of course if you are a mother or father you should love your children of course that but again the point is what to what does it mean to love my children so many? layers of possibilities do I love them because they are my children of course they are my children in this life they are under my care and I have to take responsibility I mean it's logical it's not that you follow it's not I cannot take care of all the children of the planet earth I have to take care of the one I have and that's more than enough (laughs) so that's for some reason that person came to your life and but all that you should be taking in the context of uh Vaishnavism, basically, no. My wife is a Vaishnavi, my children are Vaishnavs, are and all of them are there to to make me develop a sense of being a servant. Being a servant, no? as we were speaking the other day with Can I share Madame Gopal what you share with me? Yeah, why not? No private life. <laughs> so one may think we were speaking and one may think, okay, I'm I don't know. I'm a monastic for a while and I may think, oh I'm I'm as a monastic, I'm serving in the temple and serving the devotees and serving the sannyasi and serving my guru. At one point I feel, I I want a little bit more of independence now. So I I will go out of the monastic stage and I will have a family. So I can have more of my time, my life. And as much as you get closer to that situation, you realize that's not happening. (laughs) That's taking another form. And I'm becoming a servant of my wife, of my children. Which is not a problem. I'm not saying that's wrong. The point is, that's confirming you are to be a servant, basically. <laughs> now, if you're able, you are not able, we were not fully able to grasp that as a monastic. No problem. You go. You get married, and you will be have another chance to grasp the same thing. You are a servant, <laughs> and of course, not only the husband is the servant. The wife is the servant. The child. I mean, everyone is. All of it's not just an excuse. Yes, you are. You have to be a servant. Of course, that was Shastra say, serve me. You know? <laughs> So, the spiritual world, that's the point. In the spiritual world, everything... (coughs) Phila Sermas once said that beautifully, and of course that was scary for one's ego. To enter into the spiritual world means you enter into a place where everyone is to be served by you. Uh, No, sorry, you are to serve everyone. Sorry, I I inverted all the (laughs) ideas. Edit the audio later. (coughs) So, you are there to serve everyone. Nobody is there to serve you. Of course, the point is that everyone else is thinking in the same way, I'm to serve everyone, but you are not calculating that, you're not saying, okay, I'm going for serving everyone, but actually I know that all of them will be thinking the same, so someone will will be serving me, (laughs) there's no calculation there, there's no Maya, Maya means calculation, so that calculation is not there, so, but I think we should, on that basis, okay, we are small, but we can become bigger also, so... That, that's the challenge, to grow spiritually it means to, to have a bigger heart, bigger heart, bigger heart. Once, once my Guru Maharaj was with another sannyasi that he know, they were meeting, and they were friends for like 20 years. So he was, the two were given a lecture in Brindavan, I, I was there. So, 2007, so he was saying, I know him for 20 years, and 20 years back he was really thin, he said now the sannyasi was expanded, physically speaking. Uh, and he said, but after 20 years, I've seen his heart growing so much. So now his body had to grow to accommodate the greater heart. <laughs> so that's a nice way to, to justify his obesity. <laughs> and he was not being diplomatic, for sure. No, He said, he meant it. His heart is growing. So the point the heart is growing, of course, the heart is not growing physically. It remains there, but... The accommodating capacity is growing, so you become able to love more. And to love more means, I will say, not so much like, okay, yesterday I loved three, tomorrow I love four, tomorrow I love five, but it means I get closer to see everyone as Atma, basically. I get closer and closer to the realization of getting to see everyone as Atma. When I reach that, everyone becomes lovable, because Sukadev Goswami says in the Bhagavatam, only the Atma is the object of love in this world. And generally, the point he makes there is, only the Atma is the object of love, so when you say you love someone in the conditioned state, basically you mean you love yourself through that person. (laughs) But when you are woke, you will love everyone as Atma, because you cannot love anything apart from the Atma. Only the Atma can love and only the Atma can be loved. Other things are full objects of affection. So as much as we awake to that reality I mean if you are awake away fully awakened to that reality, whatever Atma comes in your way, you will love him. You will be loving that. So it's it's a matter of gradually increasing basically our Christian consciousness. But of course as it was also saying, at the same time we have to acknowledge our smallness and our humanity and our conditions and limits, <clears throat> but just to become more humble and pray more intensely to increase our capacity to love, not to find an excuse to limit my love circle to my to the ones that I find more easy to love. Basically, oh no, yeah, uh, with this I, 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 I hang on nicely. So these are the ones I love. And uh, what about them? No, I don't love them. So the challenge is, as we quote the other day, what what did Jesus Christ say? Love your enemy. Mm. Mm. That's a real PhD in love. If I say to you, love your friend, I mean it's a joke. I mean it's your friend, you already love him. Say <laughs> so you love your enemy it means, oh my God, he he has to stop being my enemy so I can love him. I mean there has to be no enemies. So that's why the devotees describe it nirbhiram. Nirbhiram means he who has no enemies. He who loves equally everyone. He who sees everyone in connection to the object of love. That's another way of saying to love everyone. To love everyone means you see everyone in connection to the universal object of love that all of us have, and you try to further hmm, that connection. Of course, because you won't have, I don't know, a romantic relationship with every g on of the planet or something like that. (laughs) So you have to understand which type of love thank you so much uh, I'll decorate myself <laughs> with <you>. here. <laughs> so that's the point I mean what, what does it mean to love everyone it means to to, to, con, to connect with everyone in connection to the common universal object of love that all of us have basically which is Krishna. Again, Krishna in the center and we love everyone. Even those who we don't know. I mean, we don't know so many living entities, but if you are fully situated in that insight, you are loving everyone, basically. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a gradual process. We should not go neurotic because we are no not yet there. We cannot do that. Uh, but it's nice to have a healthy, healthy struggle to expand our loving circle, and I will say especially we should work with those that we feel we, we find more, the most difficult to love, <laughs> those who are the most difficult, again, love your enemy, again, there are no enemies, strictly speaking, but if you feel something with that and that, actually those personalities are representing something that is challenging in your own limitation, it's not the person outside in itself that person is embodying something that is a particular good obstacle that you need to overcome for you to develop a wider range of affection. So you should try especially in those cases, not the cases that are easier to love. I mean, that's like, with all respect, mediocrity. I mean, I love the ones who are really cool and nice. and I mean, okay, great. (laughs) We have to begin somewhere, (laughs) but the PhD will go... Krishna says what in the Gita, He's what He said, mind controlled best friend. Mind uncontrolled, worst enemy. And we say, okay, for me it's the worst enemy. So Krishna said, no, now make your worst enemy your best friend. Again, the same point. Oh my God. He's not saying, make your mid- middle friend your best friend. He say, make your worst enemy your best friend. And which is your worst enemy? Your mind. There are no any other enemies outside. So whenever you, your mind is your best friend, you will realize, Oh, everyone is my friend. Everyone, I can love everyone. <laughs> so, gradually, day by day, increasing our friendly stance toward reality. But yes, we should start with the most immediate thing, of course, if you are not even able to be loving and friendly with the persons under your care or whatever, I mean, you cannot speak about having universal love or something like that. We were speaking the other day with, I think with Subal, okay, we're having some community ornamentation here. (laughs) That's a good one. That's becoming part of the standard for every program we will have in the flute song. Everyone has to end up being decorated here. Let me show that for the ones connected so I'm not the only one freaking out with the fl- when the flower in my ear. More for me? Wow. For all
1: your friends for them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay.
0: Thank you very much. I was being selfish. Thank you, Sanja. So you shared me the bigger picture. You can see. I have to walk my talk. So this, it's nice. How do you know that I have four people here? You give me four flowers. Oh, I have yeah, four. Just so each one of these flowers is for the one four ones connected into Zoom. And well, there are some others in Facebook. So you take all this for you as well. So. <laughs>
1: There's some kind of misconception that love is a feeling rather than a verb. Just like taking care of children, there's a lot of financial and discipline and education, and you know it's not just a
2: feeling mm-hmm. of um, you know warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah. Oh, no, it's commitment, it's responsibility, uh, and it's a verb, as you say, it's an active component to it, uh, to the point that it can absorb your. Whole being, no. But yeah, I like to speak about love and affection in terms of commitment and responsibility because sometimes just the opposite of that is expressed in the t- in, in, ter- in, in terms in terms of love, just selfish enjoyment and whatever immediacy regarding I want this now. That's what the word asura refers to. Asura, ra means ramante, enjoy, and asu means right now. So, Asura means I want to enjoy now. I don't care about anything. I want to enjoy. That's Asura. <laughs> Sometimes that's what is presented in the name of love in this world. <laughs> so, yeah. Responsibility, commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love is the goal again. I mean, we speak on some levels. We have to love our the people, but strictly speaking, if we go to what it means love strictly for us, that's priority, so it's not there yet. <laughs> it's to be gradually invoked, and we are preparing the ground as sadhakas for, I mean, love is such an intense thing. I mean, Vishwanath Chakravita says it's so intense that even in this body you cannot tolerate the intensity of it. You can just reach the very initial level of prem you can develop in this body then you need another body to contain what the implica- emotional implications of love. That's another thing. You need to be born from the womb of a Brajavasi in the Prakat Lila, wherever Krishna is performing his pastimes on earth, and receive bhakti samskar from the womb. Imagine. So from the womb, you start to be prepared to what it means to develop your pram. <laughs> so it's so intense. So we should not downgrade our goal because... It's so much. But we have to begin somewhere for sure. Here. <laughs> okay, something else? Any other questions? Yeah. Amal. Just uh, related to what you were just uh, speaking about, um, what does it look like? Someone
2: who yeah. retains this love, does it look like to tell him Which love? this love everyone. You know, this
0: I mean, there are different degrees. I can say love everyone doesn't mean to have Prem bhakti also. Mm, that's a different, uh, I mean, depending on what we understand with love, again, there are different ideas. We can speak about, I don't know, Krishna says in the Gita, Pandita Samadarsana Vidya Vinaya Sampanaya brahmane Gavi The sage, which is endowed with humility and knowledge, will see equally the cow, the elephant, the dog, the dog eater, the Brahmin. It's a type of seeing everyone equally, loving universal love and compassion. But not necessarily that's Prem Bhakti. That's different. Someone in Santa Rasa has universal compassion. He's seeing everything equally. He's in peace, she's in peace. But not necessarily that speaks of Prem Bhakti. Oh my God. <laughs> but if we speak about Prem Bhakti, how will that be seen? Well, Vaishnava kriya mudra bhiknyay nabu you never know. I mean, it's difficult to to ascertain that. I mean, the very idea of love is so elusive, you say It's not easy to... It's not like, okay, tell me what's love like so whenever I meet someone I know, that's Prem. Strictly speaking, to recognize someone who has Prem, you have to have Prem. <laughs> because Prem means madness. So you have to be mad like that person to understand, oh, he's mad like me says, <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. so "I mean, yeah, it's difficult to uh, to ascertain the movements of the no You know when, I don't know when, who was like, um, what's his name? Who was sent to? No, no. Who was sent to Ramanandaroy? Who was with the Devadasis?" Ah. Uh, Radhubna Mishra, thank you, yeah. So he was sent, and, and he saw Ramananda Roy, like, mm-hmm. absorbed in gopi Gopibha, <laughs> but touching the bodies of the young ladies in Jagannathburi, of the Devadasi, so they performed for Jagannath. And he was showing them, he was absorbed in gopi Gopibha, I mean, he's, he's, she, <laughs> gopi. he is in Gopibha, Visakasaki. So, but for Pradyumna Mishra, was like, what's this? I mean, he was told, someone told me he's a great Vaishnav and he's touching young ladies. So, again, of course, this is not an excuse that... Okay, and I'm, I'm in Prem, whatever. No? <laughs> or similarly, some exam, famous example of other Pandit going to Pundarik Vidyanidya. He's a Vaishnav, he's, he's on a sofa, smoking a pipe, you know, opulent dress. No way. So the point is, these stories are showing, not always it's easy. It's not that this is the Prem Bhakta. If this is here, that will... I mean, because Prem is the... rahasya is the top most secret. So it's not something like for public consumption. That everyone, oh, that's a, there goes the Prem Bhakta there. There goes another one. I mean, you have to really be aligned with that. No? Of course, if you see someone like Mahaprabhu... Of course, you won't see anyone in like Mahaprabhu. <laughs> That's the point. Nobody exhibited what Mahaprabhu exhibited. That's over and over stated in the scripture. What he exhibited was nowhere anybody's shown there. But an extension of that experience comes to us for sure. But again, that may take form externally or not. We, we read in the scripture, for example, Bhava Bhakti. Uh, the symptoms of Baba Bhakti sometimes are described tears and trembling and blah blah blah. blah. But it is said one can learn all those things in a theater or school. I can learn to cry. If you go to the theater, I know people who, if you say cry, <laughs> you start to cry. I say, oh my God! Whenever we have a, some devotional theater, I will contact you for doing the Sahaja. <laughs> <laughs> Sahaja character, Frakutasav- oh. <laughs> the easy crying guy. <laughs> so, a Baba Bhakta, I mean, you can have the symptoms of Baba Bhakti by while not being a Baba Bhakta and Krishna may give you just like a trailer of that. That's one thing. So someone may be crying like a Baba Bhakta, but it's a sadaka, receiving a trailer of Baba Bhakti. Uh, a, Baba, a Sahaja may be imitating that by way of theater learning. Or a Baba Bhakta maybe in his humility, her humility, containing those symptoms in here, his inner core, and not showing them. So the point is, you have no way to really establish, so who is the Bhava Bhakta? So Rupa Goswami will say, another symptoms are those. And it, this is extreme tolerance, kalatam, Virakti, attachment from Holy Name, extreme detachment. But on a daily basis, it's not that something you see, four minutes, he's a Baba Bhakta. You may need to observe that person day after day and realise, oh my god, that's that's not the weekend show. He's not showing that only going to the temple on the on the, on the Sunday program. It's like he's there. That's Baba Bhakta. Something like that, no so, so I will say we should try to not to be so like attentive or neurotic like I want to see the symptoms. He may be praying Bhaktar, or Bhava Bhakta, but we have some general idea of what which are the symptoms that should be exhibited by a devotee. So we should get closer to those who are showing that on a again ongoing, sustainable basis and healthy way also <laughs> natural way and, 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 and gradually that will be some sort of how do you say osmo- osmosis. No? We will become part of that as well. But yeah, we have to become mad, basically, in order to understand a mad person. I mean, two mad people will understand each other. They will be happy speaking. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> so, to understand the Prem Bhakta, we, what I read at the end of the article, Mahaprabhu said to Ramananda, I'm a madman. I don't know what I said. So we say, oh, hope, bless me with that, something of that. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So I think we, we have already discussed quite a while so we can finish here and continue sharing from other perspectives. So thank you very much for your invitation and pleasure to share with you. Dev ki jai. Mahaprabhu Ki Ki दान तराशनी भक्त वृंद की Sindhu प्रेमान की